Section 6 of The Oxford Book of American Essays Chosen by Brander Matthews This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 6 Treason came up, hideous, fit only to be huddled into its dishonorable grave. But the wrecks of precious virtues, which had been covered with the waves of prosperity, came up also and all sorts of unexpected and unheard-of things which had lain unseen during our national life of fourscore years came up and are coming up daily shaken from their bed by the concussions of the artillery bellowing around us it is a shame to own it but there were persons otherwise respectable not unwilling to say that they believed the old valour of revolutionary times had died out from among us they talked about our own northern people as the english in the last centuries used to talk about the french goldsmith's old soldier it may be remembered called one englishman good for five of them as napoleon spoke of the english again as a nation of shopkeepers so these persons affected to consider the multitude of their countrymen as unwarlike artisans forgetting that paul revere taught himself the value of liberty in working upon gold and nathaniel green fitted himself to shape armies in the labor of forging iron these persons have learned better now the bravery of our free-working people was overlaid but not smothered sunken but not drowned the hands which had been busy conquering the elements had only to change their weapons and their adversaries and they were as ready to conquer the masses of living force opposed to them as they had been to build towns to dam rivers to hunt whales to harvest rice to hammer brute matter into every shape civilization can ask for another great fact came to the surface and is coming up every day in new shapes that we are one people it is easy to say that a man is a man in maine or minnesota but not so easy to feel it all through our bones and marrow the camp is deprovincializing us very fast brave winthrop marching with the city elegance seems to have been a little startled to find how wonderfully human were the hard-handed men of the eighth massachusetts it takes all the nonsense out of everybody or ought to do it to see how fairly the real manhood of a country is distributed over its surface and then just as we are beginning to think our own soil has a monopoly of heroes as well as of cotton up turns a regiment of gallant irishmen like the sixty-ninth to show us that continental provincialism is as bad as that of coos county new hampshire or of broadway new york here too side by side in the same great camp are half a dozen chaplains representing half a dozen modes of religious belief when the masked battery opens does the baptist lieutenant believe in his heart that god takes better care of him than of his congregationalist colonel 
does any man really suppose that of a score of noble young fellows who have just laid down their lives for their country the homoousians are received to the mansion of bliss and the homoousians translated from the battlefield to the abodes of everlasting woe war not only teaches what man can be but it teaches also what he must not be he must not be a bigot and a fool in the presence of that day of judgment proclaimed by the trumpet which calls to battle and where a man should have but two thoughts to do his duty and trust his maker let our brave dead come back from the fields where they have fallen for law and liberty and if you will follow them to their graves you will find out what the broad church means the narrow church is sparing of its exclusive formulae over the coffins wrapped in the flag which the fallen heroes have defended very little comparatively do we hear at such times the dogmas on which men differ very much of the faith and trust in which all sincere christians can agree it is a noble lesson and nothing less noisy than the voice of cannon can teach it so that it shall be heard over all the angry cries of theological disputants now too we have a chance to test the sagacity of our friends and to get at their principles of judgment perhaps most of us will agree that our faith in domestic prophets has been diminished by the experience of the last six months we had the notable predictions attributed to the secretary of state which so unpleasantly refused to fulfil themselves we are infested at one time with a set of ominous-looking seers who shook their heads and muttered obscurely about some mighty preparations that were making to substitute the rule of the minority for that of the majority organizations were darkly hinted at some thought our armories would be seized and there are not wanting ancient women in the neighboring university town who consider that the country was saved by the intrepid band of students who stood guard night after night over the g r cannon and the pile of balls in the cambridge arsenal as a general rule it is safe to say that the best prophecies are those which the sages remember after the event prophesied of has come to pass and remind us that they have made long ago those who are rash enough to predict publicly beforehand commonly give us what they hope or what they fear or some conclusion from an abstraction of their own or some guess founded on private information not half so good as what everybody gets who reads the papers never by any possibility a word that we can depend on simply because there are cobwebs of contingency between every to-day and to-morrow that no field glass can penetrate when fifty of them lie woven one over another prophesy as much as you like but always hedge say that you think the rebels are weaker than is commonly supposed but on the other hand that they may prove to be even stronger than, than is anticipated say what you like only don't be too peremptory and dogmatic we know 
that wiser men than you have been notoriously deceived in their predictions in this very matter ibis et redibis nonquam in bello peribis let that be your model and remember on peril of your reputation as a prophet not to put a stop before or after the nunquam there are two or three facts connected with time besides that already referred to which strike us very forcibly in their relation to the great events passing around us we spoke of the long period seeming to have elapsed since this war began the buds were then swelling which held the leaves that are still green it seems as old as time himself we cannot fail to observe how the mind brings together the scenes of to-day and those of the old revolution we shut up eighty years into each other like the joints of a pocket telescope when the young men from middlesex dropped into baltimore the other day it seemed to bring lexington and the other nineteenth of april close to us war has always been the mint in which the world's history has been coined and now every day or week or month has a new medal for us it was warren that the first impressions bore in the last great coinage if it is ellsworth now the new face hardly seems fresher than the old all battlefields are alike in their main features the young fellows who fell in our earlier struggle seemed like old men to us until within these few months now we remember they were like these fiery youth we are cheering as they go to the fight it seems as if the grass of our bloody hillside was crimsoned but yesterday and the cannon-ball embedded in the church-tower would feel warm if we laid our hand upon it nay in this our quickened life we feel that all the battles from earliest time to our own day where right and wrong have grappled are but one great battle varied with brief pauses or hasty bivouacs upon the field of conflict the issues seem to vary but it is always a right against a claim and however the struggle of the hour may go of movement onward of the campaign which uses defeat as well as victory to serve its mighty ends the very implements of our warfare change less than we think our bullets and cannon-balls have lengthened into bolts like those which whistled out of old arbalests our soldiers fight with weapons such as are pictured on the walls of theban tombs wearing a newly invented headgear as old as the days of the pyramids whatever miseries this war brings upon us it is making us wiser and we trust better wiser for we are learning our weakness our narrowness our selfishness our ignorance in lessons of sorrow and shame better because all that is noble in men and women is demanded by the time and our people are rising to the standard the time calls for for this is the question the hour is putting to each of us are you ready if need be to sacrifice 
all that you have and hope for in this world that the generations to follow you may inherit a whole country whose natural conditions shall be peace and not a broken province which must live under the perpetual threat if not in the constant presence of war and all that war brings with it if we are all ready for the sacrifice battles may be lost but the campaign and its grand object must be won heaven is very kind in its way of putting questions to mortals we are not abruptly asked to give up all that we most care for in view of the momentous issues before us perhaps we shall never be asked to give up all but we have already been called upon to part with much that is dear to us and should be ready to yield the rest as it is called for the time may come when even the cheap public print shall be a burden our means cannot support and we can only listen in the square that was once the market-place to the voices of those who proclaim defeat or victory then there will be only our daily food left when we have nothing to read and nothing to eat it will be a favorable moment to offer a compromise at present we have all that nature absolutely demands we can live on bread and the newspaper walking by henry david thoreau i wish to speak a word for nature for absolute freedom and wildness as contrasted with a freedom and culture merely civil to regard man as an inhabitant or a part and parcel of nature rather than a member of society i wish to make an extreme statement if so i may make an emphatic one for there are enough champions of civilization the minister and the school committee and every one of you will take care of that i have met with but one or two persons in the course of my life who understood the art of walking that is of taking walks who had a genius so to speak for sauntering which word is beautifully derived from idle people who rove about the country in the middle ages and asked charity under the pretense of going a la saint terre to the holy land till the children exclaimed there goes a sauntere a saunterer a holy lander they who never go to the holy land in their walks as they pretend are indeed mere idlers and vagabonds but they who do go there are saunterers in the good sense such as i mean some however would derive the word from sans terre without land or a home which therefore in the good sense will mean having no particular home but equally at home everywhere for this is the secret of successful sauntering he who sits still in a house all the time may be the greatest vagrant of all but the saunterer in the good sense is no more vagrant than the meandering river which is all the while sedulously seeking the shortest course to the sea 
but I prefer the first, which indeed is the most probable derivative. For every walk is a sort of crusade, preached by some Peter the Hermit in us, to go forth and reconquer this holy land from the hands of the infidels. It is true we are but faint-hearted crusaders, even the walkers nowadays, who undertake no persevering, never-ending enterprises. Our expeditions are but tours, and come round again at evening to the old hearthside from which we set out. Half the walk is but retracing our steps. We should go forth on the shortest walk, perchance, in the spirit of undying adventure, never to return, prepared to send back our embalmed hearts only as relics to our desolate kingdoms. If you are ready to leave father and mother, and brother and sister, and wife and child, and friends, and never see them again, if you have paid your debts, and made your will, and settled all your affairs, and are a free man, then you are ready for a walk. To come down to my own experience, my companion and I, for I sometimes have a companion, take pleasure in fancying ourselves knights of a new, or rather an old order, not equestrians or chevaliers, not ritters or riders, but walkers, a still more ancient and honourable class, I trust. The chivalric and heroic spirit which once belonged to the rider seems now to reside in, or perchance to have subsided into, the walker, not the knight, but walker-errant. He is a sort of fourth estate outside of church and state and people. We have felt that we almost alone hereabouts practised this noble art, though, to tell the truth, at least, if their own assertions are to be received, most of my townsmen would fain walk sometimes, as I do, but they cannot. No wealth can buy the requisite leisure, freedom, and independence, which are the capital in this profession. It comes only by the grace of God. It requires the direct dispensation from heaven to become a walker. You must be born into the family of the walkers, omulator, nauseator, non-fit. Some of my townsmen, it is true, can remember and have described to me some walks which they took ten years ago, in which they were so blessed as to lose themselves for half an hour in the woods, but I know very well that they have confined themselves to the highway ever since, whatever pretensions they may make to belong to this select class. No doubt they were elevated for a moment as by the reminiscence of a previous state of existence, when even they were foresters and outlaws. When he came to Greenwood in a merry morning, there he heard the notes small of birds merry singing. It is fair gone, said Robin, that I was last year. My list a little for to shout at the dawn, dear. I think that I cannot preserve my health and spirits unless I spend four hours a day at least, and it is commonly more than that, sauntering through the woods and over the hills and fields, absolutely free from all 
worldly engagements. You may safely say, a penny for your thoughts, or a thousand pounds, when sometimes I am reminded that the mechanics and shopkeepers stay in their shops not only all the forenoon but all the afternoon too, sitting with crossed legs, so many of them, as if the legs were made to sit upon, and not to stand or walk upon. I think that they deserve some credit for not having all committed suicide long ago. I who cannot stay in my chamber for a single day without acquiring some rust, and when sometimes I have stolen forth for a walk at the eleventh hour at four o'clock in the afternoon, too late to redeem the day, when the shades of night were already beginning to be mingled with the daylight, have felt as if I had committed some sin to be atoned for. I confess that I am astonished at the power of endurance, to say nothing of the moral insensibility of my neighbors, who confine themselves to shops and offices the whole day for weeks and months, aye, and years almost together. I know not what manner of stuff they are of. Sitting there now at three o'clock in the afternoon, as if it were three o'clock in the morning. Bonaparte may talk of the three o'clock in the morning courage, but it is nothing to the courage which can sit down cheerfully at this hour in the afternoon over against one's self, whom you have known all the morning, to starve out a garrison to whom you are bound by such strong ties of sympathy. I wonder that about this time, or say between four and five o'clock in the afternoon, too late for the morning papers and too early for the evening ones, there is not a general explosion hurried up and down the street, scattering a legion of antiquated and house-bred notions and whims to the four winds for an airing, and so the evil cure itself. How womankind, who are confined to the house still more than men, stand it I do not know, but I have ground to suspect that most of them do not stand it at all, when, early in a summer afternoon, we have been shaking the dust of the village from the skirts of our garments, making haste past those houses with purely Doric or Gothic fronts, which have such an air of repose about them, my companion whispers that probably about these times their occupants are all gone to bed then it is that I appreciate the beauty and the glory of architecture, which itself never turns in, but forever stands out and erect, keeping watch over the slumberers. No doubt temperament, and above all age, have a good deal to do with it. As a man grows older, his ability to sit still and follow indoor occupations increases. He grows vespertinal in his habits as the evening of life approaches, till at last he comes forth only just before sundown, and gets all the walk that he requires in half an hour. But the walking of which I speak has nothing in it akin to taking exercise, as it is called, as the sick take medicine at stated hours, as the swinging of dumbbells or chairs, but is itself the enterprise and adventure of the day. If you would get exercise, go in search of the 
springs of life. Think of a man's swinging dumbbells for his health when those springs are bubbling up in far-off pastures unsought by him. Moreover, you must walk like a camel, which is said to be the only beast which ruminates when walking. When a traveller asked Wordsworth's servant to show him her master's study, she answered, Here is his library, but his study is out of doors. Living much out of doors, in the sun and wind, will no doubt produce a certain roughness of character, will cause a thicker cuticle to grow over some of the finer qualities of our nature as on the face and hands or as severe manual labour robs the hands of some of their delicacy of touch so staying in the house on the other hand may produce a softness and smoothness not to say thinness of skin accompanied by an increased sensibility to certain impressions perhaps we should be more susceptible to some influences important to our intellectual and moral growth if the sun had shone and the wind blown on us a little less and no doubt it is a nice matter to proportion rightly the thick and thin skin but methinks that is a scurf that will fall off fast enough that the natural remedy is to be found in the proportion which the night bears to the day, the winter to the summer, thought to experience. There will be so much the more air and sunshine in our thoughts. The callous palms of the laborer are conversant with finer tissues of self-respect and heroism, whose touch thrills the heart than the languid fingers of idleness that is mere sentimentality that lies abed by day and thinks itself white far from the tan and callous of experience when we talk we naturally go to the fields and woods what would become of us if we walked only in a garden or a mall even some sects of philosophers have felt the necessity of importing the woods to themselves since they did not go to the woods they planted groves and walks of platanes, where they took subdialis abulationes in porticos open to the air. Of course it is of no use to direct our steps to the woods if they do not carry us thither. I am alarmed when it happens that I have walked a mile into the woods bodily without getting there in spirit. In my afternoon walk I would fain forget all my morning occupations and my obligations to society, but it sometimes happens that I cannot easily shake off the village. The thought of some work will run in my head, and I am not where my body is, I am out of my senses. In my walks I would fain return to my senses. What business have I in the woods if I am thinking of something out of the woods? I suspect myself, and cannot help a shudder, when I find myself so implicated even in what are called good works, for this may sometimes happen. My vicinity affords many good walks, and though for some many years I have walked almost every day, and sometimes for several days together, I have not yet exhausted them. 
an absolutely new prospect is a great happiness, and I can still get this any afternoon. Two or three hours' walking will carry me to as strange a country as I expected ever to see. A single farmhouse, which I had not seen before, is sometimes as good as the dominions of the king of Dahomey. There is, in fact, a sort of harmony discoverable between the capabilities of the landscape within a circle of ten miles radius, or the limits of an afternoon walk, and the threescore years and ten of human life. It will never become quite familiar to you. Nowadays almost all man's improvements, so-called, as the building of houses, and the cutting down of the forest, and of all large trees, simply deform the landscape, and make it more and more tame and cheap. A people who would begin by burning the fences and let the forest stand. I saw the fences half consumed, their end lost in the middle of the prairie, and some worldly miser with a surveyor looking after his bounds, while heaven had taken place around him and he did not see the angels going to and fro, but was looking for an old post-hole in the midst of paradise. I looked again and saw him standing in the middle of a boggy Stygian fen, surrounded by devils, and he had found his bounds without a doubt. Three little stones where a stake had been driven, and looking nearer I saw that the prince of darkness was his surveyor. I can easily walk ten, fifteen, twenty, any number of miles, commencing at my own door, without going by any house, without crossing a road, except where the fox and the mink do. First along by the river, and then the brook, and then the meadow, and the woodside. There are square miles in my vicinity which have no inhabitant. From many a hill I can see civilization and the abodes of man afar. The farmers and their works are scarcely more obvious than woodchucks and their burrows. Man and his affairs, church and state and school, trade and commerce, and manufactures and agriculture, even politics, the most alarming of them all. I am pleased to see how little space they occupy in the landscape. Politics is but a narrow field, and that still narrower highway yonder leads to it. I sometimes direct the traveller thither. If you would go to the political world, follow the great road, follow that market man, keep his dust in your eyes, and it will lead you straight to it. For it, too, has its place merely, and does not occupy all space. I pass from it as from a bean-field into the forest, and it is forgotten. In one half-hour I can walk off to some portion of the earth's surface where a man does not stand from one year's end to another, and there consequently politics are not, for they are but as the cigar-smoke of a man. The village is the place to which the roads tend, a sort of expansion of the highway as a lake of a river. It is the body of which roads are the arms and legs a trivial or quadrivial place, the thoroughfare and ordinary of travellers, 
The word is from the Latin villa, which, together with via, away, or more anciently ved, and vela, varro derives from veo, to carry, because the villa is the place to and from which things are carried. They who got their living by teeming were said villatorarum facere. Hence, too, apparently, the Latin word villus and our vile. This suggests what kind of degeneracy villagers are liable to. They are wayworn by the travel that goes by and over them without traveling themselves. Some do not walk at all, others walk in the highways, a few walk across lots. Roads are made for horses and men of business. I do not travel in them much comparatively, because I am not in a hurry to get to any tavern or grocery or livery stable or depot to which they lead. I am a good horse to travel, but not from choice a roadster. The landscape painter uses the figures of men to mark a road. He would not make that use of my figure. I walk out into a nature such as the old prophets and poets, Menu, Moses, Homer, Chaucer, walked in. You may name it America, but it is not America, neither Americus Vespucius nor Columbus, nor the rest were the discoverers of it. There is a truer account of it in mythology than in any history of America so-called that I have seen. However, there are a few old roads that may be trodden with profit, as if they led somewhere now that they are nearly discontinued. There is the old Marlborough Road, which does not go to Marlborough now, methinks, unless that is Marlborough where it carries me. I am the bolder to speak of it here because I presume that there are one or two such roads in every town. The Old Marlborough Road Where they once dug for money, but never found any, where sometimes Marshall Miles singly files, and Elijah Wood, I fear for no good, no other man save Elijah Dugan, O man of wild habits, partridges and rabbits, who hast no cares, only to set snares, who livest all alone, close to the bone, and where life is sweetest, constantly eatest. When the spring stirs my blood with the instinct to travel, I can get enough gravel on the old Marlborough Road. Nobody repairs it, for nobody wears it. It is a living way, as the Christians say. Not many there be who enter therein, only the guests of the Irishman Quinn. What is it, what is it, but a direction out there, and the bare possibility of going somewhere? Great guide-boards of stone, but travellers none, cenotaphs of the town named on their crowns. It is worth going to see where you might be, what king did the thing. I am still wondering. Set up how or when, by what selectman, Gorgas or Lee, Clark or Darby, they're a great endeavor to be something forever. Blank 
tablets of stone where a traveller might groan and in one sentence grave all that is known which another might read in his extreme need i know one or two lines that would do literature that might stand all over the land which a man could remember till next december and read again in the spring after the thawing if with fancy unfurled you leave your abode you may go round the world by the old marlborough road at present in this vicinity the best part of the land is not private property the landscape is not owned and the walker enjoys comparative freedom but possibly the day will come when it will be partitioned off into so-called pleasure grounds in which a few will take a narrow and exclusive pleasure only when fences shall be multiplied and man-traps and other engines invented to confine man to the public road and walking over the surface of god's earth shall be construed to mean trespassing on some gentleman's grounds to enjoy a thing exclusively is commonly to exclude yourself from the true enjoyment of it let us improve our opportunities then before the evil days come what is it that makes it so hard sometimes to determine whither we will walk i believe that there is a suitable magnetism in nature which if we unconsciously yield to it will direct us aright it is not indifferent to us which way we walk there is a right way but we are very liable from heedlessness and stupidity to take the wrong one we would fain take that walk never yet taken by us through this actual world which is perfectly symbolical of the path which we love to travel in the interior and ideal world and sometimes no doubt we find it difficult to choose our direction because it does not yet exist distinctly in our idea when i go out of the house for a walk uncertain as yet whether i will bend my steps and submit myself to my instinct to decide for me i find strange and whimsical as it may seem that i finally and inevitably settle southwest toward some particular wood or meadow or deserted pasture or hill in that direction my needle is slow to settle varies a few degrees and does not always point me due southwest it is true and it has good authority for this variation but it always settles between west and south southwest the future lies that way to me and the earth seems more unexhausted and richer on that side the outline which would bound my walks would be not a circle but a parabola or rather like one of those cometary orbits which have been thought to be non-returning curves in this case opening westward in which my house occupies the place of the sun i turn round and round irresolute sometimes for a quarter of an hour until i decide for a thousandth time that i will walk into the southwest or west eastward i go only by force but westward i go free thither no business leads me it is hard for me to believe that i shall find fair landscapes or sufficient 
wildness and freedom behind the eastern horizon i am not excited by the prospect of a walk thither but i believe that the forest which i see in the western horizon stretches uninterruptedly toward the setting sun and there are no towns nor cities in it of enough consequence to disturb me let me live where i will on this side is the city on that the wilderness and ever i am leaving the city more and more and withdrawing into the wilderness i should not lay so much stress on this fact if i did not believe that something like this is the prevailing tendency of our countrymen i must walk toward oregon and not toward europe and that way the nation is moving and i may say that mankind progress from east to west within a few years we have witnessed the phenomenon of a southeastward migration in the settlement of australia but this affects us as a retrograde movement and judging from the moral and physical character of the first generation of australians has not yet proved a successful experiment the eastern tartars think that there is nothing west beyond tibet the world ends there say they beyond there is nothing but a shoreless sea it is unmitigated east where they live we go eastward to realize history and study the works of art and literature retracing the steps of the race we go westward as into the future with a spirit of enterprise and adventure the atlantic is a lithian stream in our passage over which we have had an opportunity to forget the old world and its institutions if we do not succeed this time there is perhaps one more chance for the race left before it arrives on the banks of the styx and that is in the leth of the pacific which is three times as wide i know not how significant it is or how far it is an evidence of singularity that an individual should thus consent in his pettiest walk with the general movement of the race but i know that something akin to the migratory instinct in birds and quadrupeds which in some instances is known to have affected the squirrel tribe impelling them to a general and mysterious movement in which they were seen say some crossing the broadest rivers each on its particular chip with its tail raised for a sail and bridging narrower streams with their dead that something like the fura which affects the domestic cattle in the spring and which is referred to a worm in their tails affects both nations and individuals either perennially or from time to time not a flock of wild geese cackles over our town but it to some extent unsettles the value of real estate here and if i were a broker i should probably take that disturbance into account then longin folk to gone on pilgrimages and homeres for to seeken strange strands every sunset which i witness inspires me with the desire to go to a west as distant and as fair as that 
into which the sun goes down. He appears to migrate westward daily and tempt us to follow him. He is the great western pioneer whom the nations follow. We dream all night of those mountain ridges in the horizon, though they may be of vapor only, which were last gilded by his rays. The island of Atlantis and the islands and gardens of the Hesperides, a sort of terrestrial paradise, appear to have been the great west of the ancients, enveloped in mystery and poetry. Who has not seen in imagination, when looking into the sunset sky, the gardens of the Hesperides and the foundation of all those fables? Columbus felt the westward tendency more strongly than any before. He obeyed it and found a new world for Castile and Lyon. The herd of men in those days scented fresh pastures from afar and now the sun had stretched out all the hills and now was dropped into the western bay at last he rose and twitched his mantle blue to-morrow to fresh woods and pastures new where on the globe can there be found an area of equal extent with that occupied by the bulk of our states so fertile and so rich and varied in its productions and at the same time so habitable by the european as this is michaud who knew but part of them says that the species of large trees are much more numerous in north america than in europe in the united states there are more than one hundred and forty species that exceed thirty feet in height in france there are but thirty that attain this size later botanists more than confirm his observations humboldt came to america to realize his youthful dreams of a tropical vegetation and he beheld it in its greatest perfection in the primitive forests of the amazon the most gigantic wilderness on the earth which he has so eloquently described the geographer Guillot, himself a european goes farther farther than i am ready to follow him yet not when he says as the plant is made for the animal as the vegetable world is made for the animal world america is made for the man of the old world the man of the old world sets out upon his way leaving the highlands of asia he descends from station to station towards europe each of his steps is marked by a new civilization superior to the preceding by a greater power of development arrived at the atlantic he pauses on the shore of this unknown ocean the bounds of which he knows not and turns upon his footprints for an instant when he has exhausted the rich soil of europe and reinvigorated himself then recommences his adventurous career westward as in the earliest ages so far guillot from this western impulse coming in contact with the barrier of the atlantic sprang the commerce and enterprise of our modern times the younger michaud in his travels west of the alleghanies in eighteen o two says that the common inquiry in the newly settled west was 
from what part of the world have you come as if these vast and fertile regions would naturally be the place of meeting and common country of all the inhabitants of the globe to use an obsolete latin word i might say ex oriente lux ex occidente frux from the east light from the west fruit sir francis head an english traveller and a governor-general of canada tells us that in both the northern and southern hemispheres of the new world nature has not only outlined her works on a larger scale but has painted the whole picture with brighter and more costly colors than she used in delineating and in beautifying the old world the heavens of america appear infinitely higher the sky is bluer the air is fresher the cold is intenser the moon looks larger the stars are brighter the thunder is louder the lightning is vivider the wind is stronger the rain is heavier the mountains are higher the rivers longer the forests bigger the plains broader this statement will do at least to set against buffon's account of this part of the world and its productions Linnaeus said long ago, Nescio que facies leta, glabra plantis americanis. I know not what there is of joyous and smooth in the aspect of American plants. And I think that in this country there are no, or at most very few, Africane bestiae, African beasts, as the Romans called them and that in this respect also it is peculiarly fitted for the habitation of man we are told that within three miles of the centre of the east indian city of singapore some of the inhabitants are annually carried off by tigers but the traveller can lie down in the woods at night almost anywhere in north america without fear of wild beasts these are encouraging testimonies if the moon looks larger here than in europe probably the sun looks larger also if the heavens of america appear infinitely higher and the stars brighter i trust that these facts are symbolical of the height to which the philosophy and poetry and religion of her inhabitants may one day soar at length perchance the immaterial heaven will appear as much higher to the american mind and the intimations that star it as much brighter for i believe that climate does thus react on man as there is something in the mountain air that feeds the spirit and inspires will not man grow to greater perfection intellectually as well as physically under these influences or is it unimportant how many foggy days there are in his life i trust that we shall be more imaginative that our thoughts will be clearer fresher and more ethereal as our sky our understanding more comprehensive and broader like our plains our intellect generally on a grander scale like our thunder and lightning our rivers and mountains and forests and our hearts shall even correspond in breadth and depth and grandeur to our inland seas perchance there will appear to the traveller 
something he knows not what of Leta and glabra of joyous and serene in our very faces else to what end does the world go on and why was america discovered to americans i hardly need to say westward the star of empire takes its way as a true patriot i should be ashamed to think that adam in paradise was more favorably situated on the whole than the backwoodsman in this country our sympathies in massachusetts are not confined to new england though we may be estranged from the south we sympathize with the west there is the home of the younger sons as among the scandinavians they took to the sea for their inheritance it is too late to be studying hebrew it is more important to understand even the slang of to-day some months ago i went to see a panorama of the rhine it was like a dream of the middle ages i floated down its historic stream in something more than imagination under bridges built by the romans and repaired by later heroes past cities and castles whose very names were music to my ears and each of which was the subject of a legend there were Aaron Breitstein and Roland's Zeck and Koblenz, which I knew only in history. They were ruins that interested me chiefly. There seemed to come up from its waters and its vine-clad hills and valleys as hushed music as of crusaders departing for the Holy Land. I floated along under the spell of enchantment as if I had been transported to an heroic age, and breathed an atmosphere of chivalry. Soon after I went to see a panorama of the Mississippi, and as I worked my way up the river in the light of today and saw the steamboats wooding up, counted the rising cities, gazed on the fresh ruins of Nouveau, beheld the Indians moving west across the stream, and, as before I had looked up the Moselle, now looked up the Ohio and the Missouri, and heard the legends of Dubuque and of Winona's Cliff, still thinking more of the future than of the past or present. I saw that this was a Rhine stream of a different kind, that the foundations of castles were yet to be laid, and the famous bridges were yet to be thrown over the river, and I felt that this was the heroic age itself, though we know it not, for the hero is commonly the simplest and obscurest of men. The West of which I speak is but another name for the wild. And what I have been preparing to say is that in wildness is the preservation of the world. Every tree sends its fibres forth in search of the wild. The cities import it at any price. Men plough and sail for it. From the forest and wilderness come the tonics and barks which brace mankind. Our ancestors were savages. The story of Romulus and Remus being suckled by a wolf is not a meaningless fable. The founders of every state which has risen to eminence have drawn their nourishment and vigor from a similar wild source. 
it was because the children of the empire were not suckled by the wolf that they were conquered and displaced by the children of the northern forests who were i believe in the forest and in the meadow and in the night in which the corn grows we require an infusion of hemlock spruce or arbor vitae in our tea there is a difference between eating and drinking for strength and from mere gluttony the hottentots eagerly devour the marrow of the kudu and other antelopes raw as a matter of course some of our northern indians eat raw the marrow of the arctic reindeer as well as various other parts including the summits of the antlers as long as they are soft and herein perchance they have stolen a march on the cooks of paris they get what usually goes to feed the fire this is probably better than stall fed beef and slaughter-house pork to make a man of give me a wildness whose glance no civilization can endure as if we lived on the marrow of kudus devoured raw there are some intervals which border the strain of the wood thrush to which i would migrate wild lands where no settler has squatted to which methinks i am already acclimated the african hunter cummings tells us that the skin of the eland as well as that of most other antelopes just killed emits the most delicious perfume of trees and grass i would have every man so much like a wild antelope so much a part and parcel of nature that his very person should thus sweetly advertise our senses of his presence and remind us of those parts of nature which he most haunts i feel no disposition to be satirical when the trapper's coat emits the odour of muskish even it is a sweeter scent to me than that which commonly exhales from the merchant's or the scholar's garments when i go into their wardrobes and handle their vestments i am reminded of no greasy plains and flowery meads which they have frequented but of dusty merchants exchanges and libraries rather a tanned skin is something more than respectable and perhaps olive is a fitter colour than white for a man a denizen of the woods the pale white man i do not wonder that the african pitied him darwin the naturalist says a white man bathing by the side of a tahitian was like a plant bleached by the gardener's art compared with a fine dark green one growing vigorously in the open fields ben jonson exclaims how near to good is what is fair so i would say how near to good is what is wild life consists with wildness the most alive is the wildest not yet subdued to man its presence refreshes him one who pressed forward incessantly and never rested from his labours who grew fast and made infinite demands on life would always find himself in a new 
country or wilderness and surrounded by the raw material of life he would be climbing over the prostrate stems of primitive forest trees hope and the future for me are not in lawns and cultivated fields not in towns and cities but in the impervious and quaking swamps when formerly i have analyzed my partiality for some farm which i had contemplated purchasing i have frequently found that i was attracted solely by a few square rods of impermeable and unfathomable bog a natural sink in one corner of it that was the jewel which dazzled me i derive more of my subsistence from the swamps which surround my native town than from the cultivated gardens in the village there are no richer parterres to my eyes than the dense beds of dwarf andromeda cassandra calicolata which cover these tender places on the earth's surface botany cannot go farther than tell me the names of the shrubs which grow there the high blueberry panicled andromeda lambkill azalea and rhodora all standing in the quaking sphagnum i often think that i should like to have my house front on this mass of dull red bushes omitting other flower-pots and borders transplanted spruce and trim box even gravelled walks to have this fertile spot under my windows not a few imported barrelfuls of soil only to cover the sand which was thrown out in digging the cellar why not put my house my parlour behind this plot instead of behind that meagre assemblage of curiosities that poor apology for a nature and art which i call my front yard it is an effort to clear up and make a decent appearance when the carpenter and mason have departed though done as much for the passer-by as the dweller within the most tasteful front-yard fence was never an agreeable object of study to me the most elaborate ornaments acorn tops or what not soon wearied and disgusted me bring your sills up to the very edge of the swamp then though it may not be the best place for a dry cellar so that there be no access on that side to citizens front yards are not made to walk in but at most through and you could go in the back way yes though you may think me perverse if it were proposed to me to dwell in the neighbourhood of the most beautiful gardens that ever human art contrived or else of a dismal swamp i should certainly decide for the swamp how vain then have been all your labours citizens for me end of section six